are going to continue our study in, in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we're in the last portion of this chapter. And as you turn there to Matthew chapter 15, I do want to give you just a quick update in regards to next year's Israel trip. Um, as I reached out to, uh, to Pastor David Zamora and was asking him what kind of details he has for us. Um, so the total cost is 3485 um, and also, they are already taking um, reservations so we can put deposits down and get our name on the list. That way, we reserve a spot for any. I, and I know there's interest in, in the uh, church here at Refuge, and so I w- wanted to get that out to you. And what we'll do is next Sunday, um, we're going to need to put together a sign up list. And we'll take deposits. What I'll do is I'll um, ask uh, Pastor David exactly how much the deposit needs to be. And uh, that way it'll be announced next Sunday. And we can start making deposits and reserve our places. Okay? So um, I know that from his church, there's already 60 who are committed to going. There's a total of 100 spots. And um, so I know we're not the only other church that they invited. Um, so I don't have to tell you that the spots will be taken pretty quickly and they fill up pretty fast. So uh, just keep that in mind. But we have that going on. And uh, then, like I said, this morning we are in Matthew chapter 15. The last portion of this chapter deals with uh, one of the, well, two of them um, is, are the same things pretty much that we've um, seen before. But, of course, what we want to do is we want to uh, pay attention to some of the details that we have before us because they would serve us well today and right now, just as it did with the disciples and those who were there at that time. So the title of this morning's message is More Than Crumbs. More Than Crumbs. And perhaps from a message a few weeks ago, uh, you would know that this is basically a continuation and, and a spinoff, you could say, as far as the title is concerned, of the situation where the... Um, uh, the the mom the the lady came and and uh, she came before the Lord and asked that her daughter would be healed and she would be uh, delivered from being demon possessed and so um, as uh, as she was exchanging with the Lord and the Lord uh, was you could say in many ways testing her faith um, responded in a way that is fitting of this title more than crumbs. And so let's, uh, let's all stand to our feet and we're going to read the first few verses here or the last verses in Matthew chapter 15 and then go into the message itself. So Matthew chapter 15 verse 29. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others and they put them at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seen, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place? 
to feed so great a crowd. And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went into the region of Magadan. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We come this morning with hearts that are expecting, Lord, to hear from you and to be given understanding by your spirit. I pray, Father, that this morning we would understand, Lord, that it's more than crumbs that you offer to each and every one of us. Lord, you offer to us salvation and abundant life, the hope of eternity with you. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, Lord. Bless us, I pray. And Lord, may we, Lord, be encouraged and be built up according to your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just as Jesus had returned from the district of Tyre and Sidon, he made his way away from the Mediterranean, around the Sea of Galilee, and to the east, uh, actually southeast region of the coast of the Sea of Galilee. But it was back in Tyre and Sidon that he specifically went, because the Bible doesn't tell us that he went for any other reason but to meet with this Syrophoenician woman, this Canaanite woman. This is the woman who had replied to Jesus when he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He replied saying, yes, or she replied, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I love that response. You know how it is that she just kept stayed there. She just didn't go anywhere. She knew who the Lord was and what he was capable of doing and hopefully he was willing to do. To this Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went from a very Gentile coastal area of Tyre and Sidon. In, in that district, it was, it was all Gentiles up there. As he made his way back and he went around again, the Sea of Galilee, he went to the southeastern region of the land. And this was a, if, if that area was pagan and heathen and just Gentile, this was even more so. This is, was also known as the Decapolis. It's ten cities all together in that area. And so it wasn't a place that was very friendly toward the Lord. It was a very polytheistic location, a place where people would worship many gods. This is exactly where Jesus intended to come and minister. But it seems that Jesus is providing for the Gentiles much more than just crumbs, isn't it? It wasn't that. It was much more what he had in store for them. Wherever Jesus went, there were crowds that were following him. As he made his way, I mean, it was miles upon miles that he, that he traveled from, again, the district of Tyre and Sidon all the way down to this area, the Decapolis. He had a, a crowd that was forming behind him, with him, around him, and they had heard 
that he had healed the sick, fed the hungry. Remember the, the feeding of the 5,000? Well, that was, that was previously. And so word was getting out of all that the Lord had been doing. And they wanted to experience the miracles for themselves. I mean, think about it. If you had heard this going on in this day and age, your curiosity would be piqued, and you too would want to go and see, well, what is going on with this man named Jesus of Nazareth? And so they all wanted to experience these miracles for themselves. Not all believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they all had heard that he was healing and feeding the multitudes, and so they gathered. I think to a certain extent, people are still doing this today. How is that? Well, people have marriage problems and turn to the church, quote-unquote, to get help. They just know it must help in some way. People have health problems and turn to the church to perhaps find healing when nothing else has worked. They think, well, what can it hurt? Let's give it a shot. People have been hurt by other people and turn to the church. People have addiction problems, people have legal problems, people have financial problems, and the list can go on and on, can't it? And where they come? Hopefully they do come to church. Hopefully they they do come. But you get the picture. I say, quote unquote, the church because that's what people think is the solution when it never was and never will be. That may sound shocking to all of you. Church is not the answer. The solution is Jesus Christ. And what makes up the church is a bunch of people that have gotten past the church and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now know that even in the midst of difficult circumstances, Jesus is there. The Lord guides and there can be peace in one's heart because they are not alone and their eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. See, the only reason why people stick around, we can come to church and find the, the, the answers to all of those problems, but I find it interesting how it is that they find out that the church wasn't actually the solution and then they reject Jesus Christ and you don't see them around anymore. Or, or, their prayers have been answered, they changed a few things, things have been taken care of, and they say, we'll see you next time I have problems. But no, the church is simply a body of believers that worships God. We realize that God gives much more than just crumbs. He has given us everything, and in Him we have come to know forgiveness of sins and salvation by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. More than crumbs. Jesus desires to give us more than crumbs, but let's start out with wonder, glory, and compassion, and see how it is that Jesus is revealing who he is to people other than the Jews through healings and miraculous multiplications of food, which was amazing and leading them to worship him. Because that really is the bottom line, is understanding who he is, believing on Jesus Christ, and then learning how to worship him. So, so let's start out with how it is that Jesus was healing the multitudes. Verse 29 Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. 
And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. So Jesus heals the multitudes. The people that Jesus went to, to were far from being uh, Israelites, far from being Jews. They were a people who were considered either having no faith, no religion, or being pagan or polytheistic, having many gods. The Decapolis was the area in which Jesus went into. It was on the southeast portion, as I've said, of the Sea of Galilee and extended out southeast east um, inland for quite some way. It was a remote place. Not much was found around there. And as Jesus walked and his miracles preceded him, people gathered. He went up on a mountain, sat down, and then the people came to him. But these people that were gathering around him, they didn't come empty-handed. They brought the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and they simply put them at Jesus' feet for the express purpose of healing them. This in and of itself is a good place to be. Sometimes even those who don't believe who Jesus is at least know where to come. Just to be at Jesus' feet. I don't know, but I know you have the power. I've seen it a, a number of times, and so there's... Uh, answers nowhere else. There's no one else who can do this. And so we come and just, we'll just lay them at your feet. Do with them what you will. Because there was no mention of an explicit request or an exchange of words to find out if the people had enough faith. Like the Canaanite woman who had begged Jesus to heal her daughter that was demon-possessed. They just laid them at his feet to do with them as he willed. What a beautiful picture that is to do that very thing, they must have at least believed that he could heal. Because Jesus did heal many, many people. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7. Again, Mark chapter 7. And we're going to be reading just a, a little portion here. Details that are part of what we're reading here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verse 31. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> Good. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Yeah, I'm going to have you going back and forth without me knowing exactly where to go, right? <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the, to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. 
So I wanted to read that because this goes, um, falls in place with what we're reading this morning, what we're studying. Uh, the, the healing that Jesus performed, the healings that he performed in this area, um, astonished is something that we saw describe uh, the people who had brought this person who was who had a speech impediment and um, you know he was made to not only hear but to speak well and to speak plainly and they were astonished they were amazed they were filled with wonder this is exactly what we see back in Matthew chapter 15 is that all of them were astonished they were amazed they were filled with wonder they could just as they said in Mark He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In Matthew's account, the people were filled with wonder and they were surprised, but filled also with admiration and had a sense that they had just experienced something beautiful and remarkable, which indeed it was. What was their response to all of this? I mean, we've we've read and we've studied stories of how Jesus healed many people who were sick and lame and blind and mute, all of these things. But what was their response? And we see that in verse 31, the last portion, which says, and they glorified the God of Israel. What was happening here is that the people were learning how to respond to what the Lord was doing. What's interesting is that the people did not worship Jesus at the moment, and not that he, had not re- he did not receive worship, nor would receive worship, because he is the Son of God. But what, what is said here and what was proclaimed was they glorified the God of Israel. Again, even though Jesus is the Son of God and he is the second person of the Trinity, he is the way by which all people can come to worship the Father personally and intimately. And Jesus points us to the Father, just as he did here with the multitudes. Jesus, his whole life, was pointing to the Father. And at this point... It can't be a greater blessing than for them to be singing God's praises. Exactly. That's exactly what you ought to do. And through me, you're doing that. Oh, this is just a glimpse of what's to come. Because I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You're just catching these glimpses. Gentiles learning how to worship God. What a beautiful thing. Acknowledging that he is giving them more than crumbs. And so he does today. But then he goes on from there and he feeds the multitudes. Verse 32, as we continue, and I want to read again. It says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. After sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region 
of Magadan. Now, this is not the same situation where Jesus fed the 5,000. That was in the previous chapter. Not only was it in the previous chapter, but it wasn't repeated again in this chapter. It was a totally separate incident. This is similar, although, uh, although it is similar in many ways, but not the same. In both incidents, Jesus expressed compassion for the people. Uh, for uh, he, after he healed them and spent much time with them, we know that specifically he said, they've been with me for three days here, right? He knew that they were hungry, and Jesus was concerned that they would faint on their way because they had not eaten. I have no doubt that their food was, if it hadn't run out, they were pretty close to running out. Perhaps what they had was it. This was the very final portion of food that they had. But what's somewhat surprising is how the disciples responded to Jesus' concern. Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? What would you do if you were Jesus? Seriously. Right? If I were Jesus, I may have responded a little bit differently. But Jesus is perfectly patient and simply asked them how many loaves they had. And they responded with seven and a few small fish. The response is indicative of how we can respond to the Lord today. The very same way. We ask the question, well, why, why did they ask that question when they had just experienced not too long ago a feeding of more than 5,000 5, men? But, of course, we have women and children uh, in that group, and it could have been upwards of fifteen to 20,000. The only difference that I see here is that the previous crowd was, perhaps there, was, there were more Jews in that crowd, and this one was Gentile. And maybe they didn't expect the Lord to do these things in a Gentile crowd as he would in a Jewish crowd. These are God's people, right? God's chosen people. But these are not. They're heathen. They're pagans. They're Gentiles. I don't know. We're not told. But what we do know is that these disciples responded the same way we do many times. Same type of situation, different time. What are we going to do? Right? Because we could ask the same thing. Hmm. We've come across a situation where it just seems impossible. Where do we go from here? Well, hmm. What has God done before? What has he demonstrated to you before? Has he ever let you down before? What was his answer before? Right? All of these things can be answered in the same way. We can think the same things. Of, I mean, if people were to look at our lives and write our story on the pages of some book, they would probably read it and go, why is he asking the same question? When the Lord has demonstrated to him over and over how faithful he is, we might be in the same place, Right? What can God do and what does he desire to do and what does he desire to be in this situation? Trusted, relied upon, looked to, believing that he can do what is impossible with man? 
Jesus multiplied the bread and fish and gave them to the disciples to distribute. God does what he does and then entrusts to us what we can do. Distribute what he gives us to distribute, to give out. That's what he, he, he entrusts to us everything. We, ha, we do not give what we have not first been given. Right? What he has not first provided, we cannot provide for someone else. We cannot help someone else if we ourselves have not been provided with that very thing that is in need. We can't. It's impossible. Of course, the lesson of the multiplication of food, you can see in, in great detail if you go back to Matthew chapter 14 and you go through that study. That's all available. And that's not the point that I, that I want to drive us to this morning. There's much more here that as we continue through this this section of scripture that we can learn from. And this is one of them. That we can't be so thick-headed, so stiff-necked of a people, so stubborn in our ways, that we neglect to see how it is that the Lord is faithful in our lives. He desires to give us more than crumbs. And yet we find ourselves in a place to where we're asking the same questions that the disciples were asking on that day. Lord, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this? This is just too much. I don't know how to handle this. Sometimes he brings us to the same lessons because we haven't learned them. He allows us to go through them because we're knuckleheads. We're stubborn. We are sometimes deaf to the very word that he has given us before. After the Lord had very patiently and perfectly addressed the disciples, he simply sat everyone down on the hill and he took the seven loaves and the few fish that he was given. He gave thanks and he broke them and gave them to the disciples and then the disciples gave them to the crowds. I wonder if they looked back at these times, the disciples, and they were thinking, what, what were we thinking? You know, we, we asked that a second time, like he had done it before and over and over again. Well, Peter, I know he restored and I know that he used the disciples to turn the world right side up. That means that all of these things that we're studying, all of these moments of uh, temporary insanity, right? Of just being out of, them out of their minds. All, all of these things of not understanding exactly what it is that the Lord was saying, who he was in their midst, what he was capable of doing, what he desired to do through them and in them. That at some point they got it. And they declared to all people, Oh, Jesus is the Son of God. You can find salvation through Him. And He desires to give you more than crumbs. He desires to give you life and that more abundantly. Today. Today. Not, not just eternity, but today. What is the abundant life in Christ? Are you going through anything right now? I'm sure most of you are. 
An abundant life speaks of not possessions, of not financial wealth, of nothing like that whatsoever. An abundant life speaks of a joy that cannot be taken away. It speaks of a peace which surpasses all understanding. That no matter what we're going through, what we're experiencing, we have, number one, joy. Why? Because we have hope in Christ. And that cannot be taken away. Oh, they can, they can even take away our lives. Guess what? If, if at worst our lives are taken away, oh, that's, just, that's simply for me an entrance into God's glory. The worst thing that could happen, okay, so we suffer a bit in life. It is but momentary. I mean, if you consider the glory that awaits us, our suffering today isn't even worth comparing is what the Apostle Paul said. That's why the the Christian, the one who stands fast in the Lord, cannot be shaken. No matter what you put me through, no matter what you allow me to go through, Lord, it doesn't matter. Why? Because you are my hope. You are my rock. You are my strength. You are my everything. Because at the end of this story, the people were, were full and satisfied. In fact, the word that was used for satisfied is, just, is like describing cattle <laughs> who have been fed to the hilt, you know. They were full. They were like really full. They were sad. And then after that, there were seven baskets that were left over. Just to let everyone know, hey, listen, this isn't all that we have here in Christ. He has more. And what you had fed everyone, why? Because Jesus touched it, and it was done. And then there's still more. There's still an abundance where that came from. How amazing is that? As Jesus feeds, he satisfies. As Jesus heals, he fills us with wonder, and we learn to glorify him in all things. That's the lesson that we ought to learn here. Learn to glorify him. Learn to bless him and worship him in all things. Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. He healed them and fed them. Jesus had demonstrated his power once more. And in kind of just wrapping things up, I want to ask you some questions. Did Jesus come to make the lame walk, make the blind see, the mute speak, and the sick be brought back to health? Did Jesus come to solve the world's hunger problems? There are some who think that that's exactly what the mission that we should be on as a church. Is that the mission that we should be on as a church? No. Not that we shouldn't give to those who are in need. That's not the point. Jesus demonstrated that he had the power to do these things, but this was to lead them to hear and understand that he is salvation eternal to see that he is the Son of God, to walk in the grace of God, and to speak of the good news of Jesus Christ and how others can also come to know forgiveness of their sins and no salvation. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's like he healed all these people, but listen, the greatest healing that we can experience in our lives is to be able to hear 
what God has to say to us. To see, that is, to understand those things that they apply to us. That in so doing, we would walk in the grace of God, knowing that He has saved us by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then to speak of that amazing grace, the good news of Jesus Christ, and how others can also come to know forgiveness of their sins and salvation. No, Jesus didn't come for all of those things. He demonstrated his power through them. He came to seek and save the lost, to provide the way of salvation, to provide the the truth to a world full of lies, and to provide life eternal through him alone. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So now we know why it is that he performed all these signs and wonders. So that we would come to believe in his name. And in so doing that, we may have life in his name. All of the things we acknowledge and come to know to be the hand of God should lead us to Him. And in leading us to Him, He desires that we would believe in Jesus Christ and that by believing, we too might have life in His name. So first of all, and primarily, I pray that you believe in Jesus for salvation. And I know that many of you already have that are here in this place right now. But secondly, I pray that you learn to trust the Lord for all things regarding life. Remember that he's able to do the impossible through you. He desires to do the impossible through you. He, he, he demonstrated that time and time again throughout scripture. I mean, we can go back to the Israelites when they were in Egypt and how it is that God did the impossible through them and in them and for them. He, del- he sent them Moses to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. So he used a man, right? So, and we can go through scripture. We can talk about Joseph and um, Nehemiah, um, David. And, I mean, just on and on and on and on. He desires to do, do these things. Why? Because it brings him glory. And it demonstrates to other people who he is in their lives. And I, I do pray that. You yourself submit to him and his power. That his power would be displayed in your life. Again, to his glory, what he desires to do. That all people would come to know the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That they would come to the knowledge of him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because he desires that we would know more than crumbs, but the abundant life in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you desire, Lord, to bless your people. Lord, that you would bless your people, Father, with um, an understanding of who you are in our lives, Lord, the, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That grace that we've experienced, Father, I pray that you would give us confidence and boldness as we interact with others 
And I pray, Lord, that your peace would be evident in our lives. That no matter what we experience in life, Lord, that we would have that peace which surpasses all understanding. We thank you for loving us the way you do. We just give you all the praise and all the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.